Tonight, I can report to the American people and to the world that the United States has conducted an operation that killed Osama bin Laden. Where we continue to follow the capture and killing of Osama bin Laden now. Those are just some of the scenes overnight as thousands of Americans gathered in celebration of Osama bin Laden's death. Former Navy SEAL Rob O'Neill says he has thought about the mission every day since that May Day in 2011. From multiple conversations you had with Rob O'Neill over the past year and a half, how'd you get And you described that his head kind of exploded yes, when you hit I, him. Yes, I actually hit him three times because I shot him twice when he was standing and once on the ground. That is the fucking American badass. Go, go, go. We are not going for fame and we are not going for bravado. We are going for the single mom who dropped her kids off at elementary school on a Tuesday morning, and then 45 minutes later, she jumped to her death out of a skyscraper. If you need help, hang up and then dial your operator. I'm Rob O'Neill, and this is the Operator Podcast. All right, here we are. Welcome back to the Operator Podcast. I have an actual operator on <laughs> as a guest today. Uh, very, very interesting story that I'm not going to ruin for him, um, but grew up a badass recon Marine, Iraq, Afghanistan. You've seen him on TV. Rudy Reyes is with me today. How you doing, buddy? I'm doing great, brother. Thanks for having me on, Rob. Certainly. Certainly. I'm, uh, I'm very excited that, uh, um, just like, I always tell people that I'm not a tough guy. I just worked with guys who were, I think you're a tough guy and, uh, uh I know. And I, you see, the only thing you, is you're very humble, too. So yes. you don't like saying that. But like, uh, so I, you. I found it, you, just from growing up, you learned to fight to protect your brothers. Right. Can you tell me about that? That's right. You know what, brother? I was just thinking about I think about um, how to how to help kids and, and how to help maybe kids that um, may be grown up in grown up bodies, but they're still kids inside because they don't have some of the the confidence and some of the mentorship and some of the um, flat ass rules that our generation had uh, so that we could define our character and define ourselves and, and know what's right, know what's wrong and, and pursue truth and goodness. I was thinking about that a couple of days ago I was training hard, training hard. And every time I train really hard, it puts me into a space mentally and spiritually. Like I feel, I feel like I'm right where I'm supposed to be. And I thought, well, well, Rudy Reyes, when did you become the warrior, Rudy Reyes? Or when, when did you become brave, really? Brave, right? Yeah. And um, I had a tough childhood for an American. You know, brother, you've, you've been all over the world, and especially in the Middle East and Northeast Africa. And, and, um, and of course, you know, I've spent a lot of time in China until just recently, too. Uh, there's tougher places than the hood in the United States of America. Yeah, there. Yeah, I uh, I used to say to people here, you wouldn't believe me if I told you what Afghanistan was like as far as poverty, unless you see it. You'd, you'd think I was lying to you when I say true poverty is the kid that has no clothes and he's standing in a cesspool. That kid's. Poor. That's right. That's right, brother. So for an American, I had it pretty tough, and um, and by nature, I'm a gentle person. Or no, by nature, I love animals. Um. I love, I love birds and fish and dogs. I got a dog. I got a, I got a big German shepherd right now that I cannot help, but just pet and hug and squeeze all the time and want him to kiss me. And, and he only kisses me when I give him some treats. Cause I'm just all over him like a cheap suit. And then my, my uh, spirit animal is a little cat. This, my little cat, her name's pants. 
And she's very <laughs> finicky. She doesn't spend any time with anybody but me. We, we've just got this spiritual and emotional connection. Um, uh, and that's the person I am. And I had two little brothers and we're only a year apart each. Um, I just had this innate drive to protect. And probably because I was getting, I was getting beat down and, and hurt and, and abused really bad myself. And I knew that that's, that's what's coming for them. Um, I had uh, been moved around. My brothers and I sometimes even split up between family members and then, and then um, friends. And, and we were falling through the cracks. By the time I was in sixth grade, I think I'd been to maybe five or six different schools. And uh, from, um, from one hard hood to an even harder hood um, throughout South Texas, Kansas City, Missouri. And, um, and um, before I went to the boys' home, so the state took us um, when I was uh, in early junior high and we had been very sick. Um, uh, I had hepatitis and my brothers and I had worms and lice we were oh, in pretty bad shape. Yeah, we were in pretty bad shape. And uh, I, these, these teeth here bridge. Um, I didn't have dental care when I was a kid. And, and I smashed my head on the concrete and broke my teeth. And so I got this, this infection. And it got up into my sinuses. So before school, brother, I'd have to, uh, I'd, I'd take the lighter to a safety pin and I'd cut open the boils that were inside of my, oh my gums. Yeah, to, to release How old were you? us. Us, probably 11. And, and um, I mean, the state hadn't taken you yet. Where were you living? Uh, this is in Corpus Christi at a, at a family member, a, a step cousin, a step house. Uh, we had no adult supervision. There was no adults there. Um, and uh, my, brother, my brothers were, were not well either, but I tried my best to protect them. So I'd cut open my freaking gums and drain all this pus, but I didn't put it together that I was, uh, I smelled garbage everywhere. I just thought it was this horrible hovel that we lived in. We lived in a really, really in a shanty uh, with, with caliche uh, gravel everywhere. And, um, and uh, oh, man, my self-esteem was freaking taking a hit, but but, but I, I still worked out every day, brother. I went across the street to the park and did pull-ups and push-ups. And I did the best I could to, to build self-esteem because I'm really heavy in the comic books. And I, I, you know, I believed in the yeah. X-Men. I believed in Spider-Man. I believed in Daredevil and discipline. I can be something better. And uh, I went to school. I was always bullied really bad. I had no older brothers, no dad around, no, no nobody. And... Um, and I, I had these uh, two these shoes that were two sizes too big, given to me by a step cousin, and and clothes that were like a couple years old, and um, and it was rough, brother. It, this is I think around the time mid early '80s when materialism became really kind of big in our modern culture, in which you had to have the brands, you had to oh, have yeah. the, the Nike. The uh, I, I of course had none of that stuff. Um, and I was made fun of all the time because I looked so shabby. Uh, but uh, but we got to run the mile. We got to run the mile. And and so we had the tall football players. Um, we had the track people. And they're already like gangsters. I mean, everybody's thugs there where I'm at. 
talking nasty stuff about women and, and partying and drinking and drugs. And this is already the ambient temperature of culture that I'm in. And uh, we get to run the mile. And um, so when the gym teacher freaking blows that whistle, I just vow to myself, I will stay behind the fastest guy there. I'll just stay behind him. Uh-huh. I'll stay behind that guy. And we push and we push. Now we're three laps in. We're going into the fourth lap. And I can see uh, everyone's faded except the strongest tall football player that's already hit puberty and strong. And he's fading too. And I just have the desire to freaking dominate and destroy this race. And no one's going to freaking take it from me. No one's going to take it from me, brother. And I run I run and I freaking pass this cat. I freaking smoke everybody. Come across the line. My face, I guess, is blue. Like Jim teacher <laughs> thinks I'm going to die. My lips are blue. I'm blue. I don't care because I won. And, and, and everyone, and, and, and nobody cheered. Everyone was like, you know, yeah, I'll go ahead and curse. They're like, fuck that guy, that piece of shit. You know what I mean? <laughs> so I get back into the, to the locker room. And all of my schoolwork and my clothes are thrown in the toilet and have shit and piss all over them, right? Um, a real thug environment that I'm in, inner wow. city, right? And uh, and that made me even happier. Made me even happier. Just because it got in their heads or what? Yeah, yeah. They're so <laughs> fucking fired up. They're so upset that I whooped their ass. That they've got to try, you know, they got to shit and piss all over everything. But they can't piss on me, man. Not in here. So I went to the principal's office. I had to get some, um, uh, what do you call them? Uh, lost and found clothes, some like st- stupid purple freaking uh, um, sweatshirt and these high water pants. And, and uh, I have to walk home and, you know, people are still talking shit. But brother, I, I took that victory with me. And I think that's when I, um, I learned to love competition. I loved competition, even though it's scary, even though it's hard, even though you often lose. Uh, uh, it was like a noble truth hit me there. If I compete, if cool. I find ways to compete in life, I can be a winner. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, you have to. Yeah, that, and then you you prove to yourself that you can convince your body to do things through your mind. And that's, I mean, that's yeah. run, run, running. Running is that. Running is is yes. putting out. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. And I think, you know, we we look way, way back. I think that was the first kernel that got when I went to the boys home. By the way, I got new teeth. I got um, medicine. I got food. Uh, I start wrestling. I got a freaking weight pile. And I just immersed myself in it. The the dean of boys was the uh, this is the Omaha home for boys, a Christian home. He was a um, he was a orphan as well. And he was the, the wrestling coach and we just bonded and, and, Good. and I never, I never looked back, brother. I never looked back from then. And, and when I think about when I became a Marine and, and then when I had a chance to try out for recon and I went to recon and, and it was so hard, Rob, it was so yeah. hard. Cause I was so out of my depth. Um, I was a, a junior boot infantry Marine uh, I had cats that were rangers and scout snipers and drill instructors that were on the course with me. And, uh, and again, it was almost a, it was almost a, uh, a um, part due or, or a, a continuing of the story of when I was in, uh, when I was on that foot race, nobody believed I, be- I belonged there. Nobody said I was a non-rate. I was a Lance corporal. Uh, I didn't belong there. 
there, there had been Marines there that had been in the Marine Corps for eight years, and I was competing against officers as well. And everybody, we started with 80 cats, 90 cats the first day. And, um, and I had no friends, really, no friends. The, that whole freaking ARS, Amphibious Reconnaissance School out there in Virginia Beach. Yep. And I just put out, and I was the best runner, and I was the strongest, but I didn't really know how to swim I was a second class swimmer and we're doing run, swim, runs. And the first time they put on fins on me, dog, I, I shit you <laughs> not. I swear I was going backwards. I swear <laughs> I was, I know I was putting out harder than anybody and, yeah. and going backwards. I didn't know what I was doing, but I never gave up, brother. I never gave up. And, and, uh, and I, now, I swimming is technique. Uh, you don't, it is, you, you can't just gut out. I mean, you can gut out a swim, but there's going to be guys, that'll just kick your ass. Cause they've been playing water polo in college and shit like that. So totally, I read it. Totally. Of, totally. Mm-hmm. Did you, did you deal with that as well? I mean, you're from, yeah, Montana, I, didn't know I, to, imagine. I, I joined at, uh, having, I don't know how to swim. I didn't know what a seal was. So I yeah. just, uh, I learned, I mean, they, they were good to me. I, I was able to make friends and, and they put me with a surfer that yeah. was, was a good swimmer. So like, just stay next to him. He'll guide, do everything else. All you got to do is fin, but yeah, it's awesome. the swimming's a, it's, you know, it's, a, it's an awakening. You get good at it. It is. It is. You do, you know, eventually I was, you know, CWSS combat diver, uh, yeah. a drive up to San Francisco just to swim from Alcatraz on, a, on the weekend. I mean, yeah, dog. Swim, yeah. swim out in Alcatraz. Yeah. 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 To That's the Bay cold. city bridge. I know it's freezing, but you know, we're hard, we're young, we can do anything. <laughs> and then I turned it into a strength. So I'm a swimmer now too. And, cool. yeah. and I love it. Um, and all those brothers that all those naysayers in those early days, they all love me so much now, Rob. It's so beautiful. I am so um, loved and um, and buoyed by the recon community and now the veteran community and, and all the special operations community. You all um, you give me so much freaking positivity and light and so much support. And it's an honor that I represent all of us now. You know, we got this big show on Fox and I want to hear and about I'm out that. there. Yeah, brother. We're with SAS and SBS and a fellow frogman brother. And and your boys up there front and center, you know, representing the country and representing our ideals. Um, yes, brother. I, I was uh, enthralled with competing and martial arts and toughness because I knew that was the standard of a man. Of course, we don't know how deep that um, that warrior ethos goes, especially when we transcend into taking lives and killing or and ha- and seeing our own brothers being killed. Um, there, there is a there is a light year of of dis of distance um, from being a competitive combat sport athlete and then being a warrior like like we were like like warriors have been for the last 20 30 50,000 years you know um and and that was uh sobering it was uh challenging i'm a scout sniper and, and remember i joined in the 90s so we hadn't been to war yet i joined yeah. to go fight in kosovo cuz i saw that i saw a documentary of children that were uh, orphans there and i wanted to go they were home. getting killed you know, by their own snipers that's right that's right and i um, you know, we were idealistic, we we're young and, and, um, and we wanted to do our best. And I was, I was very, very humbled and gracious to be given a, a chance to try out and, and make it and, and, and then be a team leader and go to schools and, and go to Sear and, freaking, <laughs> brother, you know, you know, dog, do you know at my Sear school, do you know how freaking genius this is? This is for your audience out there, brothers, 
just believe in yourself and love yourself, man, and give your best. And you'll be surprised how wild stuff works out for you. So when they were interrogating me, um, uh, they, you know, they, they, uh, they say, Hey, you, you, you've been in this concrete box. Why don't you stretch out and you know, your hands, they, they, you've been bound and they want to see you like, they want to see you like do like this and such. Yeah. So, so that they can then overlay how many innocent children you've killed and stuff like that. So, so when they ask me, oh. I start doing Tai Chi. I start, <laughs> tai Chi. I start stretching like this on the debrief. You know, the week later, they're like, hey, Corporeus, this was absolute genius. I, I really like it. I'm like, I, didn't even I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> that was, that's, um, I heard an interview you give and and you I went through Sear school also and and uh you mentioned the hardest part is just being alone alone yeah. that's the that is but then you hear your buddies doing some shit yeah and eventually I mean it didn't take long to figure out a language and how to make jokes to each other it's crazy totally. and then they're playing that music and it's it's at a different language but then you start making up your own words to it like you can yeah you can, fucking nuts but uh, yeah I was I uh, think, <laughs> yeah I think we were so physically and mentally robust by then because uh, um you know i went with a couple frogs and some recon guys and a lot of air crew and pilots the operators we were just so much more robust um the mental torture was not as nearly as hard on us the uh, the the pilots and air crew they they were getting the shit kicked out of them we were just all right on to the next one on to the next one let's find a way to fight Let's get our freaking tap codes going. Yo, yeah. let's get it together. You know what I mean? Let's escape. It was incredible, bro. It really, <laughs> it was, it was beautiful, beautiful experiences, man. That was, yeah, they, um, I could hear, they had us standing the whole time because the boxes are so small. Yeah. And like, <laughs> they, and they look, they look like uh, lockers in, in, in high school. Mm-hmm. And, um, I would hear my buddy slide down to sit and all of a sudden my door would fly open. I'd throw water on me and I'm standing, yeah. but they're punishing their friends now. And then yeah. I'm like, what? and then the other guy slides down, they open it, hit me with water again. And yeah. then I'm, 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 I'm a wet. I'm like, fuck it. I'm sitting. I sit down. They open. You shouldn't be sitting. Which one of your, your buddies should we hit with water? And I said, yeah. fucking both of them. Yeah. 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 <laughs> you know what? It's so interesting. You learn. There's so many things that you learn there. You learn shared suffering in how to mitigate as much as possible so that you can exploit one uh, uh, yeah. one critical vulnerability to either get in their heads or to escape. And uh, it was just incredible, brother. It was just incredible. Um, my instructors pushed me to the edge. I wanted to kill them all by the end. Yeah. And then when we finally did the debrief, like, you know, and they were just wonderful fucking sailors and Marines who were really trying to give us all a leg up and train us the best. Course, tra- yeah. Train you. That's exactly right. Yeah. They tra- yeah. They were really good at the, uh, the good cop, bad cop too. the, yeah. the, diff- the different interrogations. Cause you got yeah. the guy that beat your ass and you got the guy that's kind of nice and you sort of want to see him again. And then yeah. like, that's how you tell him shit. And I learned yeah. a lot about the way they set it up for us. Um, I learned how much, shit you actually have on you that's incriminating like that yes. we they purposely gave us courses about the cia so we would write down the chief of station chief of base and have all oh, these notes because right. we think we're in a class or something and then we that's get rolled right. up by real police not even sure if we're really what the shit and then we're in a box like well i guess this is serious school now <laughs> and yes. I got shit about the cia in my pockets brother i yeah um I'm, and you know what brother i was always out there thinking uh, i mean recon for me especially before combat 
was like the ultimate violent um, uh, athletic art project, right? I mean, like I was, it was an art project, brother. I was like, <laughs> I was the guy that was always spending extra time uh, figuring out his gear and, and always making sure he was uh, uh, burning the ends on his 550 and always thinking about how to make a better support on my ass pack for my rifle and that things like that. Yeah, you know, the, the stuff that we're always trying to improve, uh, improve our yeah. position. So I, I smuggled in little pieces of paper and charcoal in my boots so I could write notes. And um, it was it was really, really magnificent, brother. It, uh, it, uh, it taught me also, it reminded me, remember the first rule on patrol is that you must assume you're under observation. Well, yes. eventually after a few days in the lab, uh, they, they get us together and I have a little bit of time to plan and, and talk to some of my other operator brothers. Um, about how we're going to make our escape when fuck they had a hidden camera brother and they fucking busted me and <laughs> fucked me up so bad <laughs> and then these other little strangely on my camis because i had this dental work they had this uh um, this red tag it was like a dog tag or something i think it was a red dog tag and i didn't and the first thing they did when they interned me is like oh you spets nuts Oh, you special, you know, and they Shit. start working my ass. And, uh -huh. and then they start slapping the, sh they start pimp slapping me so freaking hard, brother. I want to freaking kill these cats. Yeah, I, I want to fight back. Yeah, I end up fighting back because I do, you know, Kung Fu and Sancho. I freaking uh, uh, trip one with my hands behind my back, trip one shoulder, check another. But so I drop two instructors. They grab my ass a few more, put me down on the deck. I got some freaking AKs on my neck. I hold my head up. And they bring out the smallest, weakest air crew cat, Asian American cat, and they start beating the shit out of him in front of me. And in front of you, like, that's gonna get dead. Yeah, just the yeah, way your heart works, man. That's gonna kill you. Yeah, brother. And I had to learn to <laughs> fight smart. And and I find out what that dog tag was later on the debrief is because they didn't want to bust up these teeth that they already had to fix. So they only hit me on the sides of the head, not in the mouth. That sucks. <laughs> that still sucks. <laughs> yeah, brother. Anyway, what was it? Go ahead. Go ahead. No, I don't go ahead. You're, you're on a roll here. This is brilliant. It was just, uh, you know, uh, going, uh, trying out for school after school and then going to schools and, and getting your dual cool, your jump and dive and sniper yes. and, and, and competing. Cause you remember maybe a lot of the audience doesn't know now, but before uh, the global war on terror, uh, before Marine Corps was in Mars or was in JSOC, mm -hmm. uh, there were, First of all, I don't complain at all. We had way more money than anybody else in the whole Marine Corps. We had we had everything I could ever imagine. But uh, but compared to the budgets of the other SOCOM units, it was very oh, small. Yeah. So we had we didn't have a pipeline, Rob. I, I'd we heard that that's the Marine yeah. Corps' own fault, though, because they uh, of course they didn't want to admit they had a special group of Marines so they could get into JSOC. They yeah. said every Marine's a sniper. It's like, all right, you keep saying then keep firing an M 16, a two, but you're, yeah. you can get over here if you want. We know you got the guys and I've seen some of the shit they do now. Uh, some of the training, oh, yeah. like the pool, the pool drills, my God, like yeah. the, they're doing like hundred meter underwater swims with logs and shits and whatever. Yeah. They're just, they're and you know, they're insane. you know what brother there's it's, it's a, a double-edged sword. I'm glad I came up the way I did. And then I, and then I went to go do the work that I did uh, and, and create the, um, the bedrock for Marsock and all of this. Yep. And, and I, um, there's no operation or 
I do not have a mystique of what I've missed since I left the Marine Corps. I got to do everything and more than I could ever imagine. Um, but everything was so uh, intimate and personal with the training uh, uh, to even yeah. prepare you to go uh, to these courses because you had to be number one. And it was damn near like the NFL draft in the freaking uh, with the opso and everybody, Hey, which of these cats are we going to spend the money on yeah, to right. get them there? Yeah. And I was just blessed to have great platoon commanders, great teammates, great everybody. Um, it was, uh, I just, uh, I love it so much, brother. I love, I love, I love the opportunity I had to be somebody to really be somebody in a way that matters. Uh, what we're missing now, it seems in our culture in our, in our ambient American culture is rites of passage in a manhood, self-respect and respect period. And we damn sure learned that in the military. We damn yeah. sure. Learned that in the military. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. I joined around the same time as you, I went to seal team two because of, of uh, Bosnia and that was pre nine uh -huh. 11. And that's the only thing going on. So I, I, I tried to get the East coast to seal team two, which I did, and then get into Bosnia, which I did Kosovo uh, after sniper school. And again, I mean, it's so different to do something for real, even though I, yeah. you know, you should train harder than, than war. Yeah. I learned that even after sniper school, pretty much every recon and surveillance you do, you're going to get busted usually by a goat herder, someone that's yes. just walking around. And like, even in uh, Afghanistan, it's like these people have been living in this, in this Valley for 10,000 years. They're going to notice. Yeah. It's just crazy. Yeah, but, brother, uh, that compromise and that passive compromise yeah, I worked so hard and I was in Afghanistan when the towers hit, we went straight in from the ship, uh, us and, and some seals and some, some, um, some CIA cats. Uh, uh, and we took Kandahar and it was ideal for, because we were, it was only five of us in a team doing 70 click movements under the cover of darkness. First time I ever drove, drove a Humvee and then, and then digging in the vehicle and then patrolling up to the mountain and then utilizing our sniper and cast assets and such. It was ideal there. But when I went to fight in Iraq, and especially my last one in Fallujah and Ramadi, I am fighting in people's backyards. I'm fighting in their main streets. I'm fighting in their, in their uh, uh, goat fields. And um, to defeat that much, uh, so much observation, even passive observation, we, we had to be very, very disciplined and we, we utilized canals and I stayed in those canals for days at a time and still uh, had to be very circumspect with my movement to get into position and, and things could change on a dime. And, and uh, oh, brother, it was so dangerous. I, I look back now at what I was doing out there and I would probably nowadays like ask some more questions. Yep, <laughs> I, yep I, I feel the exact same way. I, I, one of my sayings is after 9-11, I would have invaded Canada if they wanted us to. And it's yes. just like, I'm definitely going to Iraq. I'm definitely going here. And I, and yeah, I would ask a lot more questions. Is this, is this really the smartest way to be doing yeah, this? What totally. kind of, what were, what were your standard, like Fallujah, what was your standard mission as a sniper? Uh, we could, we would overt patrol during the day presence melt down at night. The gun trucks take off. Then I move into a cutoff position or a sniper position. Of course, I always brought rockets too. Yep. And then when I could, I coordinated with our cat teams because they had the FLIR on their tow missiles and I could put them a click away and their, their, freaking, um, their optics are so fantastic. Um, 
And then that could turn into a cutoff team and direct action, um, a helicopter insertion uh, uh, down on route mobile to, to engage a, a uh, father and son team that were putting up spike strips and, and uh, IEDs uh, for, for army convoys. Then we got chopped away to ODA and I grew my hair out to be a civilian contract worker mm-hmm. because of us Latinos. I could pass as a Turk that worked in the laundry and I would go into a cab to be kidnapped and killed uh, off of base, except we had the cab um, uh, bulletproofed and I had another Latino brother driving. Uh, a Basque actually got a Gordable and we'd have our other recon brothers fully jocked up in tractor trailers. And, uh, and then, and we would draw out um, the insurgents who were at that time, all police. Oh, no shit, huh? So we would go close quarters within, you know, within a few feet, sometimes being even engaged on the road and have to work them right there. And then with three minutes, do some SSE. And then whoever they were talking to on their phones, we would then do direct action late at night. Uh, It it could be anything. Brother, it was so kinetic. Do you remember those days? It was just so kinetic. There was so much war going on. It was everywhere in Iraq. Yeah, it was all day, all night, every day, all night. Uh, I, those seven months flew by. Um, I forget some of the things I've done until I run into one of my old boys and they mentioned, oh, Rudy, you remember when you freaking climbed that bridge with your uh, explosives and, and, and freaking set up that bridge for explosives? And, and I'm like, oh, yeah, that's right. And I mean, there's just so much. Um, it, was that, it was of that time, as you remember. It was of that time. Now, did I hear you correctly? You would uh, set yourself up as bait? Like, yes. You're going to go out. So you're talking out in town and wait for Al Qaeda in Iraq to come try to get you. That's, that's right. It was, I mean, that's that's got to be peak excitement, but scary as shit. Because It was. Looking back, I'd be scared as shit to do it now. Back oh, yeah. then, brother, we're just so hardcore and we're ready to go. And we're not uh, we mitigate the risks, but we're not risk averse by any means. And we'd wear a dish dash, whatever, and some low pro body armor. And we thought we were mitigating as many risks as possible. I had cutoff teams. We, um, the back seat, we had cut out so that my, um, my machine gunner, my saw gunner with a little parasol could hide in the trunk and just roll out uh, and start shooting through the, fucking, uh, through the windows right there. And, uh, and um, it was called Operation Trojan Horse. It was very, very successful. Yeah, um, we, we just that's did insanity. whatever. That's yeah. some <laughs> excellent. You know what that is, though, I, man. I'm serious. Is that's excellent leadership coming Thank up you. with that because that's outside the box thinking, man. That's you're going out in town well, and and yeah. I mean even a, uh, you said presence patrol. That's not risk averse. You, you a bullet can be right one time and that's it. I mean that's absolutely that's hanging it out there like legit fighting. <laughs> it is. And you know what, brother? I work one of my dearest brothers on the show, Billy Billingham, SAS. Freaking command sergeant major, Paris 10 years, and then 22 years SAS. He goes, you know, mate, we're at the strategic level, mate. You're a straight up uh, cunting warfighter. I said, yeah, I guess so. <laughs> You're just warfighters. You know, That's he's funny. like, yeah. Um, it was just, uh, yeah, it was just really powerful stuff. It was transformative stuff. Uh, we also, 
I, I, uh, I made liaison with some special families there too, and, and got information and intelligence and, and developed targets and really tried to help the people. Um, yeah. Really, really just gave it my best brother, gave it my best, gave it my all, you know, you, you have to have the locals on your side. And that's something else. I, I know that being older before I didn't give a shit about cultural sensitivity, whose house I go into, who I fuck up. Um, but you know, it, it, the realization that most of these people are not combatants and they really don't like dealing with either one of us, us being the U S and the allies or, or Al Qaeda, but they're stuck. And if, but if you can find some good people, and I found some of the most welcoming people I've ever met in Iraq, like wrong house. And like, I I'm sorry. And I guess I understand why you hate us. <laughs> like just cause go in there. We're looking like a damn stormtrooper getting mud all over the place. You're not even in the right building. So I've mentioned, um, Moink before it's very important to get quality food. Sometimes you don't know what you're getting in the supermarket or you can even get it. Moink. Uh, I seriously love it. I've actually sent a couple different boxes up to my family in Montana and we all rave about the bacon. The sausage is, is insane. The meat's great. Like salt and pepper fry it up it's delicious it's a moink's a meat subscription box on a mission to fight for the family farm they're located in rural america run by an eighth generation female farmer their animals are raised humanely their employees are paid a living wage and the quality of their product like i was just saying is better than anywhere i get it myself i send it to my family the bacon <laughs> moink delivers grass-fed and grass-finished beef and lamb pasteurized pork and chicken and sustainable wild-caught alaskan salmon right to your door it's delightful unlike the supermarket moink gives you the total control over the quality and the source of your food you choose the meat to be delivered in every box so we're talking ribeyes chicken breast pork chops salmon fillets much more you can cancel at any time uh i love moink you're gonna dig it if you check it out and you can keep american farming going by signing up at moinkbox.com slash the operator right now and listeners of this show We'll get a free filet mignon with every order for a full year. That's one year of the best filet mignon you'll ever taste, but it's for a limited time. Spelled M-O-I-N-K box dot com slash the operator. That's moinkbox dot com slash the operator. Get you some of that bacon. So here's another one for you. Um, it's very important to diversify the way you invest, uh, especially with what's going on with the dollar. And inflation. Masterworks has paid out over $32 million to date to people just like you. Yep, even when the government shut down during COVID, Masterworks paid out their users. Even when they pumped so much money into the system, like I said, inflation is going to stick around for years. Masterworks paid out their users. Even when everything from stocks to real estate lost Americans hard earned money, Masterworks paid out over $28 million last year alone. $28 million just last year because every Masterworks exit to date has a return over 9% net. And that's over the course of multiple years through huge economic events. And I think it's genius what they're doing. Invest in art and they're, they're turning over a profit. I'm, I'm impressed. I think you'll be impressed. Check out Masterworks. They have over 650,000 users and there's usually a waiting list. But you can skip all that at masterworks.art slash operator again that's masterworks.art slash operator you get priority access check this out for investing it's going to be good for you so the first thing you do when you start to heat up is take off your cover uh it's getting a little warm in the studio here plus i got to check on my hair plugs you know what i mean um we've mentioned before in episodes 
that PTSD is real. You don't need to be a combat vet to have a few issues and maybe need to, uh, to talk to someone. So this podcast today is sponsored by BetterHelp. Um, it's a way to talk to someone online. Sometimes you can learn and grow when you talk to someone. And I always tell people, you know, if you're having a, any kind of a day, it's good to call someone. This is completely online, and you can join 3.8 million people who have already done it. Yeah, you get online. All therapists there are licensed, accredited professionals. BetterHelp allows you to connect with them in a safe and convenient online environment. Just pay a low flat, uh, low flat fee for unlimited therapy from a therapist. Unlimited and therapy does not have to be expensive. You can do it at your own pace, on your own time. Communicate with a therapist as often as you want, and you can switch uh, therapists if you if needed. Thousands of people have benefited from therapy. Um, check out uh, BetterHelp online. Look at some of the reviews. If you're thinking about starting therapy, which is a good idea to talk to someone, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online. Designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just go on there, fill out a questionnaire. You'll be matched up with a therapist. And like I said, you can change at any time. Discover your potential with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com operator today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash operator. Shooting, moving, and communicating is the key to winning combat, as we all know. However, it's important to look cool. <laughs> and I've mentioned uh, F1 firearms before. You got to check them out. They got a new FDR 10, uh, 308 AR style. They got pistols, five and a half inch, eight and a half inch. Um, they've got awesome finishes. There's more to come. Really light rail systems, custom thumb and uh, finger rest to keep your index in line with the apex of the trigger. F1 Firearms is a lot like me, people pleasers, and that's sometimes a very good thing. You can customize your ass off with F1 Firearms with sick, anodized colors, and the grips are lightweight, paracord, skeletonized technology. There's law enforcement and military models, AR-15, AR-10, like I said, the new 308, 9mm. Every receiver is set to fit out of the box. The rails are contoured to the uppers, which means there's no wiggle, which is good. The angle of the safety can be custom and they're as cool and good-looking as you want them to be. You can show them off, and once you pull them out of the box, they are ready for winning. Make sure you check out F1 Firearms. Uh, yeah, the, the local people, those that believed in us, brother, and I'm sure, sadly, the truth is they're probably all dead. All the brothers and sisters that believed in us there that worked with us that wanted a better Iraq, I'm sure they're all gone after oh, ISIS. Yeah, yeah. And, they're under uh, ISIS now. Yeah, brother. Um, and... and uh, now, I do understand this. Is this correct, uh, Rob, that Iraq is actually much more stable now? Um, it potentially would be, and I think that's because, uh, sadly, because of the Iranian influence, just because mm. uh, it was majority Shiites. Uh, Saddam was a Sunni, yep. and he yep. would uh, the yep. Ba'ath Party was Sunni mainly. And uh, yep. I'd imagine with the Iranian, and that's, I mean, the Iranian influence as far as the mullahs are is bad for Very the world. Corrupt. Very like, like I mean, they're, they're just they're recently just attacking our guys. They killed the contractor in uh, in in Syria, and we still have people there yes. too. I mean, we got to we do need to learn about this uh, how yeah. to how to properly get out of a place because we've never done it right. I mean, even the war we won in World War II, it took two nuclear weapons. I'd never want to see that again. Yes, um, there's got. I mean, little things like uh, a lot of people in Afghanistan don't want to send their kids to school. They want to teach them how to be farmers. Like that's, sure. and that's, that makes sense to them. And, uh, and Iraq and I, 
Afghanistan are not the same place. But no. they, the, a lot of the military brass treated it like that. Where you're going to one or the other, it's like, well, they're two different cultures, seven different languages. Um, absolutely. Just do, just even do a different. Bit of uh, absolutely. Even uh, you know, how many times have we heard even SOCOM brothers calling everybody Arabs? You yeah. know, or whatever. Yeah. They, they, we need to understand to best liaison and fight and uh, for force protection as well cultural uniqueness and yeah. uh that, well and the, the, the we, locals yeah, go ahead. the locals in afghanistan were telling us that arabs are actually foreign fighters just like you guys like they, we're yes. not arabs we're afghans absolutely and, yes don't insult them and don't call kurds yeah. arabs either <laughs> don't, don't do that <laughs> and, and i love well, those i mean brothers. even there was just some of the cultural stuff there were guys that got killed because they called an, an afghani a motherfucker but they don't understand what we mean by it. Like, yeah. Hey, motherfucker. I, I, I love you, motherfucker. Yeah. But, <laughs> Absolutely. But uh, Absolutely. The, the, I mean, you're saying he's fucking his mom. He's going to fucking blast you. And that has happened. Sure. Sure. Sure, brother. I know so, it's the Middle East and our and uh, cultures that are predominantly extremist Muslim. Uh, they're very different. And and, for, you know, for a while because I was fighting over there and I saw the bad part and the ugly part of that extremism and, and the Muslim religion. Um, I, I uh, definitely, definitely um, had a chip on my shoulder and was uh, bigoted to them. Absolutely. I, I, I hated them. I used to have a lot of hate in my heart. Yeah, me too. Uh, or some damage uh, that they had done um, to people and my men, and of course, their own kids and their own people. And it's so interesting though, brother, with time and perspective, um, I was recently in New York. I just shot a new TV show for History Channel. You guys will be seeing it in a few more months. Um, and there's a bodega. We're staying in a really nice hotel in Williamsburg because it's production, so they take care of me well. And the bodega outside of the hotel, just right around the corner there, is run by Yemeni Italians. These two brothers, and they're young. They both got a child on the way. And they'd been here in America maybe seven years working for some other bodega. And they worked so hard and saved every freaking dime to get this new little spot that is immaculately clean. Mm -hmm. They got a good uh, uh, Mexican-American brother um, um, working the deli that makes anything you want, brother. Freaking Reuben sandwiches with freaking cured turkey and extra, uh, extra uh, Thousand Island, or he'll do breakfast at two in the morning. And, and my my wife Jade came to to visit to stay with me halfway through the production so we could spend some time. I just got back from Vietnam. I did two seasons in Vietnam just six months ago, and oh, wow. uh, yeah, oh brother, they're beautiful as well. And so so. Uh, I spend time at this bodega. The place is beautiful. They have everything we can imagine. My coconut waters, everything. They are respectful and kind to me every day. They always talk to me. And yet when we're walking the streets, the Americans, the American women that were slovenly and obviously make enough money to live there because it's very expensive to live in New York City and in mm -hmm. Williamsburg. And they had horrible language and they were talking like freaking uh, PFCs in SOI. 
and they're 30 years old. They got expensive clothes, but they're, they're obese and they're, they're nasty. They're just freaking nasty. And seeing that the Americans were being so nasty and in, in general have lost a culture about family first. Oh, yeah. About respect to God, about respect and pride in one's work and oneself. Seeing these Yemeni Italians, uh, they're just absolutely beautiful. And they would, uh, and you know, they would always say, inshallah, inshallah. And, and, uh, and, and, they, and God was very much in their lives. Yeah. I felt more connected to these Muslims than I did these freaking slovenly people walking the streets in New York City. Do you know what That's, I'm saying? Yeah, of course I do. That's the whole uh, born on third base thinking you hit a triple. Like yeah. just, you, were, you were born here because you won the lottery. This is the greatest country. You, you could you have every opportunity to be happy here, and yet people just now are getting entitled and they deserve everything. And yeah. it's I mean it's, it's 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 like you said, even the manhood thing too. That people are happy that they're breaking up the family, and you see what it's doing to the schools, and it's just yes. um the the family's going away. I mean it's it's I I think it's gonna it's gonna ebb. Hopefully, I pray. Like, like yeah, well yeah. And like, like, right, right now it's, it's little things like it's cool to be a virgin in school. That's so that's good. Um, that's great. As opposed that's to freaking whor- great brother, as opposed to whoring yourself around like I did. <laughs> oh man, brother. I was so shy. I was so, I had so much arrested development from my freaking super hard childhood. I was so shy when it came to girls. And, uh, I think that my, I was delayed, uh, in my growth too. I didn't hit my, my man's growth till 17, but I was already lifting weights. My whole life and training. So I was super strong. I wrestled at 98 pounds my freshman year. It was little. Okay. And then, and then I, I freaking got taller and strong, but I did not know how to talk to girls or nothing like that. <laughs> and uh, you know what I'm saying? Like I would just look at their shoes and I'm glad it worked out that way because it worked trust out. me later, it worked, out. Got, yes. it worked out brother later when I got into f- film and television after the Marine Corps with generation kill and such. And now I'm thrust into this, modern world where there's no limits of um of of just uh, selfishness um uh um adolescent selfishness and i felt completely lost brother and no wonder i got so hard into into drugs i got into drugs really really hard brother i i'd never even dr- uh, had alcohol to drink in the marine corps brother because i was competing i was trying to compete against i tried to be the best at everything um on the weekends, I just trained and I, I would, I was in, you know, San Diego, I'd go to nitro, the, the, uh, the triathlon store, and I would compete in triathlon. We were doing cool. Brazilian jiu-jitsu and working out. I was always trying, because, you know, just like yourself in the teams, there's, you, you always got a junior Olympian swimmer or a junior mm-hmm. Olympian, uh, freaking track star or a, uh, or, uh, you know, a collegiate wrestler. So it's hard. It's almost impossible to be the best at everything. So I was always pushing myself to try to be the best at everything I could do. And um, so, so I never partied. I never did anything. So when I started to drink, because I couldn't sleep, um, I didn't realize what was going on with me. I don't know if you had these struggles, whether uh, maybe you did. But um, after the op tempo in my life slowed down, I had to continue that op tempo with uh, constant work. I was a workaholic. I was a workaholic seven days a week. And I still couldn't sleep no matter how much I exhausted myself. And so I started to drink, but you know, uh, my metabolism was so high. If I didn't get drunk enough, fast enough, 
at midnight or one in the morning, I'd be awake again. Oh no. And, uh, and then when I got into doing the film, doing generation kill, it was, it was so interesting. I almost, I like had this like tearful re- revelation that somehow my experience matters, at least in this picture, because I'll tell you what dog, when I came back to America after running and gunning and freaking Fallujah and Ramadi, nobody gave a damn. Like nobody gave a damn about anything. And I was living in Southern California, one of, one of the most vacuous places in the world. Nobody did, gave a damn. And, and so now I'm in Africa, um, Namibia, South Africa, Mozambique, filming Generation Kill, the story about my team. Yeah. And I'm teaching, training every day. I'm, I'm training actors, the stunt people. People are there to get it right. And I thought, wow, it matters. It matters. Uh, That's a good course, feeling. That's good. Because there, is, there is some deal. emptiness get, getting out of that environment. Yeah, um, I don't know. What did you go through, brother? When Let me tell you a little story, though, when I first met you, real quick. Yes. <laughs> you came to our Force Blue, very first for, Force Blue fundraiser. And I don't know who invited you. Somebody invited you. And you're, you're very humble. You had a ball cap on and a, and a jacket, but a ball cap. And I was there with my uh, recon idol and pararescue men idol, um, Roger Sparks, who's, you know, nine foot tall and a lot of other seals and some recon brothers of mine. And um, I went over to talk to you. And by the way, I don't know if you knew this, all the old seals that were part of my organization, older cats, they were hating on you, dog. They were hating on you so bad. And, And there was politics happening at something that we're trying to create so that we all can grow. Right. And I went over there and I kind of sheepishly is like, Hey brother, thanks so much for being here, man. It means a lot that you're here. And, uh, and that's the kind of guy you are brother. So, so, uh, so what, what, how, how did you go through that? Yeah. The, the, that the strange hate, place. The, the hate's a funny thing too. I, uh, I've heard that people hate me and I'm like, well, I haven't thought about him in 10 years. That's crazy that I'm occupying that much space in his head. Cause I, yeah. I mean, I, uh, I try to do everything like you're doing. I wanted to be the best at everything. I have, I have Rogers up for everything. I went to every yeah. school yeah. and uh, you know, I just happened to turn into a room and shoot a famous guy. <laughs> you know, yeah. just, it's like they said the, with the bin Laden raid, all we did is if the guy went left, I went right. And we just did that over and over and over. And that's, you know, that's, that's right. all it wasn't, you know, I did one more deployment, but when I, when I got out, I got into, um, I, I find myself getting into good positions. I, I was lucky enough to be introduced to a speaking agency uh, called leading authorities out of um, DC. And the way you um, the way you get into the speaking agency, obviously you have to have a story to tell, be able to talk, but you don't really market it. You have to have someone hear you and they say, they say Oh, I want to hire him for an event now. And so like I started in, I think November of 2011, 2012. And, um, I had like three and then five in December, then 10 in January, then 20 in February. And so I basically, you know, some of my most famous incidents are for getting kicked off of airplanes. If you get on enough of them, you're going to screw it up once or twice. Yeah, uh, brother. Yeah, uh, yeah, I mean, it's tough. I try to stay in touch with a lot of people talking to a lot of vets helps because PTSD is real, whether people want to admit it or not. And I just, yeah. you know, it's, it's it, the little things like I'll randomly think of a vet and call him just to let him know I'm thinking about him. And maybe that'll cheer me up. Maybe that'll cheer him up. Yeah. And, uh, and the further, I think time heals everything that like, it does. 
you know, because like veterans have a tendency to like to see other veterans fail. But the, I, I hope that goes away. Like, like, I can't even get on Reddit because that's like the meanest place on the planet. Oh, but, uh, brother. I, yeah, you're so right about that. For uh, There is a. Um, there's some unique things happening in this modern veteran, specifically veteran uh, that um, uh, the veterans that are in the public eye space. Mm-hmm. Um, there is some really good men and women out there. Oh yeah, that are doing it well. You know, I'm very close with Tulsi Gabbard. She's awesome. I respect, I respect her and love her very much. And 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 um, she's a class act and hyper intelligent. And um, yes. her, her character is correct. Um, and and her, her, everything about her, her 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 tone, her mentality, the way she talks and thinks is all. And like you're saying, I mean, I I couldn't. I I haven't met her in person. I've talked to her a couple times, but uh, yeah, you're not going to find a, a better one than her magnificent there's a brother named joe kent who's absolutely magnificent there's some there's some really wonderful people and then there's some um it's strange i think there's some sellouts too and it's interesting um at first the sellouts used to kind of make me angry uh because of what we went through and what we sacrificed all of us sacrificed especially us us heavy hitters us, us freaking door kickers what we've sacrificed, what we sacrificed with our families, what we sacrificed with our, our mental uh, health, uh, what we sacrificed with like how much nihilism that we had to overcome with, with what, we, um, in, what we embraced, because that's what we needed to embrace to do what we do. Um, and then it, uh, it made me angry that this sacred thing was being played out. And now over time, getting older, any brother or sister out there, if that's what they're doing right now, that keeps them from freaking putting a bullet in their head. That's exactly right. Or keep keeps them out of prison, keeps them from beating their wife or kids. Yep. I'm for any brother or sister out there that wore their uniform to do everything they can to make it in any way they can um, so that they uh, eventually will heal. So so you're you're that's right. That's a great, the, the great time attitude. heals, brother. Yeah, it brother. Does. Oh, I had, uh, I had, I had just gotten out of the Navy and that's, I mean, that's a tough one to deal with too. I mean, especially the bin Laden raid. That's a lot. Oh, brother. And much respect uh, and love to you. You're very humble about it. My man, I know that a lot of your followers and the people that listen to the cast know that being at dev, I got some brothers, uh, uh, some dear brothers of mine, Ollie that was at dev and, and, uh, Jeff Nichols, dear brother of mine. Love uh, Jeff, dear brother of mine. Yeah. Dear brother of mine. Um, to be there is is uh, not only being a frogman and a seal, but to be so hyper competitive and driven to mm-hmm. commit more, to commit everything, to be there, and that's and that's you, brother. That's that's why you're so, you're doing so well, brother. You know. <laughs> I used to say that I, I would look forward to getting up in the morning to go into work at SEAL Team Six because that's a day I get to work with people who were better than me, and oh it was the, the truth. And and like everyone's so good, it's like, what are you doing for lunch? <laughs> so I can learn how to be faster at the O course or what, whatever. But like, yes. looking at the, the gear guys that really know the gear, like, hey, can you help me with this and this, all that good stuff, and then. um but you know, the, I, I when I got out, I was still you know just dealing with just getting out, and I'm worried people thinking me. I got a call from Marcus Luttrell, 
And he said, I'm just telling you from experience, the Navy is not paying you anymore. And you're going to have to figure out a way to keep the lights on. <laughs> so so like, true. You're, you're going to get some hate. He got everyone gets hate. I think it's stupid. Me too. Um, Me too, it, you, brother. How can you how can they hate you, Rudy? Uh, well, how? you know what? I think it's, it's <laughs> you're the most it's, likable guy I know. <laughs> thank you, brother. I love you, brother. I love you, brother. And I, you know what? Um, there was a, a misnomer even when I was a young recon Marine that I uh, achieved my success because of physical talent, physical talent. Like somehow, really? somehow God gave me physical talent to, um, to, 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 to overarch the real freaking dark times you'd spend with yourself about asking the question, do I have what it takes? Because this is taking everything I fucking got. My feet are destroyed. Yeah. My, mm -hmm. my hit, my hip. I took a really bad parachute landing fall. I can say nothing about it. And I broke the other foot because I, I got to stay in the platoon. I'm not going to leave the platoon. And, and my positive mental attitude, they imagine things just went well for me because of a positive mental attitude. Just, I'm good with people. You know what I'm saying? Well, and, yeah, you have uh, a positive and, attitude, but there's, yeah, there's a lot of work in there. There's so much work and there's so much passion it takes to be in the front. And, and now that I've been doing TV and, and some um, media stuff um, that, oh, then it must be looks, you know? And I'm like, shit, you know, I didn't even know I was freaking handsome. I didn't even know I was handsome until I was like 19 or 20 years old and I was still bashful. And you know what I'm saying? And, uh, and you know, I got these the fake grill. I mean, I, these aren't even my real teeth. Uh, I think the best uh, the best line in Generation Kill is you don't have to be gay to think Rudy's attractive. <laughs> <laughs> That's so awesome. <laughs> oh, oh, and the, like you know, we we were on ship. Uh, before September 11th, uh, you know, and that's when we went into fight and, and we've been on ship for maybe a month and a half or something like that. And the joke in the freaking little birthing, first of all, you know, the, the brothers and sisters have never been on ship uh, that you are living. Uh, I mean, you're a freaking, uh, you know, you're living at the Ritz Carlton if you got your own birthing and your oh, birthing yeah. area is about the size of this office right here with 20 dudes. <laughs> uh, and, uh, but at least you got your own birthing. You're not GP and everything. And then my boys would be like, brother, it's been a while since we, you know, since we we haven't hit port yet. You know, it's not gay if you're underway. Your skin is so soft. You always maybe some of it's those speaking Latin genes, I guess, brother. You know, I don't know. <laughs> That's too funny. I was I've been on those ships with the you got all your guys in there, one metal fucking table oh, and a tv that a tv that's tied to the wall that's it but, that's it with but the it's four, yours uh, yeah the four stools that are cemented yeah. in there as well and yeah. everybody around and you got the vhs or dvd you know what i mean you're watching yeah. predator you're watching mm -hmm. predator for the freaking 300th time yeah <laughs> and and uh ship steel is hard i don't care which part of your body you hit you're on right. it you will hit something that's yeah, that is bro. hard it doesn't there's yeah. no give even your bed's metal <laughs> yeah brother you know what though builds character and, and oh, eventually you. eventually when you have certain niceties like even in the field when we're finally uh, prosecuting and we're fighting shit when we 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 get a chance to make our hot cup of coffee and we and we put our cocoa powder in there and we share it yeah. between the team or somebody's got some dip you know what i mean a little bit of yes. fucking real copenhagen and you're like wow this is the best I've, this is the best day of my life you know that what I'm is, saying? yeah i know exactly what you're saying too and i'll tell people that now young people no matter where you are, you're going to get used to it. It's going to be yeah. okay. You, I mean, yeah. some places are obviously better than others, but I can remember 
living in a hole near the border yep. of Pakistan and like rolling over and seeing a little pile of pythons. Like, well, we'll just move it out. That, <laughs> yeah. that was probably nicer. <laughs> oh, but, yeah. But it's not bad because, you know, I got a sleeping bag. It's warm, whatever. Totally. Got got the dip. And if I don't dip, there's going to be coffee in the MRE. I'll use that as dip, whatever. That's right. Um, That's right. Things. What about like the little, the, the little things like um, we would cut up our isomat and make it slender and fold it up to go between our ruck frame and yeah. our ruck so mm -hmm. that it always had that little piece of freaking foam that we could just lay out as we ruck as we're leaned up against the ruck in the harbor site throw the poncho over and then you've got a piece of freaking isomat under your ass yeah you'd be mm -hmm. so surprised how freaking how that changes your whole day it just does a yeah. little bit <laughs> The, the, if you can keep the, the the ground from sucking the heat out of you somehow, yeah. even if you're standing there, little things. Yeah. Seriously, that's like, I used to enjoy that. <laughs> yeah, I have trouble getting out of bed sometimes. <laughs> oh, I know, brother. That's just our age. That's just you yeah. know what I mean. It, what is it? Uh, we've written we've written a lot of checks on this body. You know, that's we've written true. a lot yeah. of checks. Uh, yeah, I and, think that 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 parachute opening a few times. I, and the, the, again, you're gonna have a hard landing once or twice where. Yeah. Just gotta suck it up. Like I, I used to have to have uh, fluid constantly drained out of my knees because I smacked Ooh. so hard. Nothing worse Ooh. than uh, doing a downwind landing at night. It's just yes, bam. yes, brother. <laughs> I, I hit a, I hit a, uh, had some really high winds and I missed the DZ and I hit the hardball road. Oh no! And oh, uh, was that a static land jump? Yeah, static. That's hard. That's hardcore. You're not having a soft landing. No, ever. brother. Oh, uh, yeah. That <laughs> I was used like, to volunteer that... for those too. Like why? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Why? <laughs> You, I, yeah. I mean, the only, all, either I want to get my 10 jumps so I get my pin yeah. um, or a combat jump. Why do I keep you? You can only you can throw a load out of a car. You don't you need to keep practicing this. I Just, know. So true. But the feet knees together, airborne. That's Feet, that's it. Knees together, and when baby. It, when, it's, when it's dark, just look at the look at the uh, the horizon. The horizon. You're gonna right. hit. I'll tell you what though, and I was um because I went through uh, jump school at Fort Benning. Yep, me too. And they teach you how to fall so much. And I was getting frustrated. Like, why do? How hard can this? Be? And it's like you want to know that technique. You need that muscle memory of the <laughs> yeah, feet, yeah. feet and his ass. That's right, feet, feet and his face or whatever. <laughs> That's right, brother. Oh, brother. And then we finally get to go to the MC five transition or freaking Halo. It's a whole yeah. other world. It's fantastic. So what do we do? Oh, just uh, bring more kit. So now it's going to be easier. So let's just load you up with. Let's more. load it up. Oh, I got a big, bigger. Easier. I got a bigger ruck. I'll just put more shit in it. How about that? That's right. It just <laughs> never gets easier, brother. It no. never gets easier. Wow. Um, this is a hell of a story so far, huh? Um, I am going to give everyone a chance to absorb this incredible story. What a great adventure! Rudy's just incredible. So uh, we will conclude right here. This will be part one. I will come at you in a few days with part two. And uh, we'll see where this adventure goes. It's absolutely outstanding. Just a, a great several shining examples of how you're never out of the fight. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.